Welcome to the Commerce Tomorrow podcast. Your one stop to learn about the technology that's powering the future of commerce. Here are your hosts, Dirk and Kelly. Welcome to another episode of the Commerce Tomorrow podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Gage, and unfortunately, my co-host, Dirk, is unable to make it today due to a family situation. Uh, today, I'm very happy to be joined by RJ and Vicky from Akamai. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Before we begin, can you guys spend a few minutes talking about uh, your backgrounds and, and how you got to Akamai? Sure. So maybe first start with RJ? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, Kelly. I'm uh, RJ. My name is Rahul Jain, but in short, you can call me RJ. And uh, <clears throat> I've been in Akamai for about six and a half, seven years. Uh, I started off as a software developer in the industry and uh, moved to Akamai as a solutions architect, after which I <clears throat> I moved the solutions engineering role. And now I lead a team of solutions engineers where we partner and strategize with customers help understand uh, what do they require from a business perspective and see how we can accomplish that from a technology perspective, um, either using Akamai technologies or otherwise. The idea is to partner with them and see how we can support them. Very good. Uh, and Vicky? Sure. Hi, uh, my name is Vicky Razelman and I'm a strategic engagement manager with Akamai. I'm responsible for technology strategy and delivery of Akamai services. I have been at Akamai for over seven years and have spent a total of over 20 in the technology industry across a variety of roles uh, with Deloitte, Yahoo, and Fiserv. Um, all these roles had one thing in common, and that is working with a customer using the best of breed technology. And that is something that I truly enjoy and am passionate about. Um, I, in my spare time, I enjoy mentoring others in STEM careers and especially supporting women in technology events and initiatives. Great. Well, welcome to both of you. So RJ, what is Akamai? You know, especially for the, the non-US listeners out there who might not have heard about Akamai as much. Can you give a quick rundown of, uh, of who you guys are and what types of services you provide? Absolutely. So, Kelly, let me ask you this question. What is your favorite fruit? Uh, probably uh, an orange. I just had one this morning for breakfast. Awesome. Uh, now, let's say you wanted to buy orange, but there were no local stores and um, you had to go buy them directly from the farm. Would you like that experience on a regular basis? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe once uh, just to see where the, where the fruit comes from. But, yeah, I think I would get that out of my system pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, might might even want to consider changing your favorite fruit at that point, right? If it's not available readily. So um, let's talk about why that is the case. Um, I can think of at least four problems. Every time you wanted to buy orange, it would take a lot of time, right? Um, it would also cause a lot of traffic, congestion, and pressure on the infrastructure because now everyone is going to the same farm, using the same highway, etc. Um, you would also have to wait longer at the farm and be in longer checkout lines because everyone's at the same farm. Last but not the least, what happens if something goes wrong at the farm? Any incident, malicious or ex accidental, would lead to unfavorable conditions for the business as well as for the buyers. Right. So, so in this analogy, you guys would be the grocery store then, right? Bring the oranges out to the, uh, to the edge, right? to the customer. 
Exactly. Yeah. So that's what we do is we provide a faster, quicker, safer, uh, and secure online experience to all our customers. Um, so any end user who's trying to browse the internet, we make it faster for them and we make it more secure. Right. And you do that through your edge, right? So you basically push out all of the content, whether it's static content or dynamic content. And you also a lot of allow a lot of execution right at the edge. So, I mean, the, the processing is happening and serving is happening directly close to the user, right? Is that the basic gist of it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we, we are globally distributed and, uh, you know, we, we are the edge. We, we created the edge. Uh, we started on that journey 20 years ago. So, yeah, we, that's where all the computation and all the logic happens. Very interesting. Um, so what are some interesting stats, Vicky, on, on Akamai? So, um, you know, like how many points of presence do you have? Um, what percent of uh, retailers do you serve? Do you have any interesting stats like that? Absolutely. So if you think about it, we have over 2,400 networks in over 130 countries ingesting about 2.5 exabytes of data per year. That's a lot that kind of happens across our networks all around the globe. As you know, as our country, as countries like Russia and China are coming up with their own networks, Akamai is able to work with those countries as well to serve customers within that country, um, which also makes us very powerful. So we're international all around the globe, serving customers closest, one mostly one hop away closest to the edge. So we're able to deliver more than 50 terabits per second of day on a daily basis. Uh, and our peak traffic surpasses 100 terabits per second just for last month. So we're con continually growing. Our network is secure. Security is a big part of what we deliver. And of course, performance being just one hop away uh, makes it work within any country all around the globe. Very interesting. And, and do you have any interesting stats on the number of uh, e-commerce websites you serve and that kind of thing? Yeah, actually, 19 of the top 20 U.S. e-commerce sites are on the Akamai platform, and eight of the top 10 European e-commerce sites are on the Akamai platform. Interesting. Yeah, that maps pretty closely back with what I've seen. Uh, you know, you, you guys are just about everywhere, but you're kind of the silent partner making everything work behind the scenes. So, no, that's great. And then do you have any stats on the latency from a typical end consumer to the nearest Akamai point of presence? So you said it's typically one hop, but do you know what the latency is typically? Um, it's milliseconds. I don't, I don't have an exact number that I can provide for that. Yeah. Okay. So the, Pretty uh, quick though. I'll add to that. The, the latency is actually um, overcompensated by the performance gain that we provide. So with, all the caching and other um, routing efficiencies that we create, uh, we actually more than make up for the latency. And in fact, there are SLAs around how much we would make up for it uh, within the US as well as globally. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. Um, so all the public clouds out there have their own CDNs, right? So you have, um, AWS with CloudFront, for example, um, GCP has one, Azure has one, right? They all have CDNs, and that's what you guys are historically known for as being a CDN. And I know you do a lot more than that, um, but how do you differentiate from 
those offerings? That's a great question. You know, we're, we're celebrating uh, our, our 20th anniversary. Uh, so I feel like this is a great question to answer. Um, Akamai, you know, essentially created the CDN industry 20 years ago. And uh, we're still a market leader in that aspect by far. However, in these 20 years, we've come, uh, come a long way. And in, in addition to being a CDN, our solutions now include uh, security solutions like web application firewall, bot management, um, and then other solutions like customer identity management, um, API management, video and image app, uh, optimizations, etc. So um, there's a lot more going on in the Akamai layer than any single uh, competitor would be able to offer. And through various different independent research firms like Gartner, Forrester, IDC, etc., they all recognize our solutions as industry-leading solutions. Um, and that's because our competitors simply don't have the scale or the reach to serve customers at the edge like we do. Um, mm-hmm. And we, when we treat our customers very, <clears throat> very seriously, um, but the reality is that with Akamai being only one network hop away from 90% of world's internet user, just like Vicky mentioned before, um, we, uh, we are able to do things that our co- competitors simply cannot do. And, um, and yeah, so that's, uh, that's how we sort of distinguish ourselves from our competitors. Yeah, I think you guys have always been the first and the biggest. So it helps to have that 20 year plus head start. And, uh, you know, I, I think with, uh, with, uh, the CDN space or application delivery space, or however you want to define that, you know, it, you get huge advantages by being the first to market and having those contracts with the different carriers and things like that. So I think that helps out a lot. I, Kelly, I think, um, um, just to add to that, I, I think another big thing for Akamai, and I worked with a lot of um, large companies before, is we can, there is that sense of reliability, right? When customers, when I present Akamai products to customers, I can sleep well at night knowing that the product works, that the platform delivers, and then they're going to be happy with the service that they receive from, you know, on the edge. And so as, as someone who delivers services and has to answer the customers day to day, it's, it's very important for me to, you know, to be comfortable with that. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so there's a, there's been a big push and you see it with AWS Lambda at edge to actually start running code at the edge. So traditionally you would serve static media from the edge. Right, but now there's a big push, like with Lambda at Edge, to actually start executing pieces of your application out at the edge, close to customers. Um, what do you have in that space? So we have several solutions in that space. As as we mentioned, Akamai is only one network hop away, so we're very close to each internet user out there. Um, and we have a multitude of offerings, um, kind of really leveraging that power. One of them is edge sites includes, and that's, it's an older technology, but it still works well in terms of enabling um, us to piece together the dynamic uh, pages and make sure that we accelerate them um, across the internet. But the other really new solution that we're working through is edge workers. So edge workers enables us to execute JavaScript at the edge. And I think that's probably the direct competitor to the AWS solution that you described. Okay. And, and how does that work? So do you have like an artifact that you upload to the edge or is it a, 
snippet of code and it executes it like Lambda or how does that work? It's a snippet of code. It's very similar to Lambda. So it's a snippet of code and you can essentially execute, for example, A-B testing. If you wanted to, you know, redirect certain customers to one experience versus another, that's a great scenario for, you know, executing something like that at the edge. So you don't have to go back to the origin to determine which experience your customer gets. You can do that at the edge using edge workers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. So stepping back a little bit, um, and I've seen this personally, that you guys have shifted from being a CDN, or at least your messaging is more CDN focused, to now being more of a security platform. And if you go to Akamai.com, you see security everywhere. Um, what, uh, how are you keeping your customers safe and secure? Great question. So yes, security is a critical, critical part of um, running any business online. So especially for our e-commerce customers, finance customers, uh, even gaming customers, it is very critical um, to, to provide an online experience that is secure. Um, and that's why the Akamai Intelligent Edge Security Platform surrounds and protects your entire architecture. Uh, so if you think about from, a <clears throat> from an end user perspective, there are a couple of endpoints that we need to protect. Um, the important ones being DNS um, and then any public endpoint as well as your origin, right? And Akamai provides our, uh, our customers with capabilities and solutions to protect all of these uh, effectively at the edge uh, without them having to make any changes or doing any updates or incorporating any, any code changes. Uh, all of these security solutions are enabled at the edge. So for example, um, we provide Kona, <clears throat> Kona Site Defender as a, as a solution to protect against application attacks like SQL injection, cross-site scripting, etc. Um, and then similarly, we provide Bot Manager to help manage good as well as bad bots, as well as bots that do credential abuse. Um, and then similarly, we, we also look at um, traffic going directly to your origin and are able to scrub that traffic um, using our own <clears throat> data centers and scrubbing centers to make sure that only good traffic reaches your origin. So at the end of the day, um, we are protecting against attacks without compromising performance. Um, and then we are defending against massive scale attacks as well as managing new threat landscape, new attacks that are happening around the globe and updating our solutions to help our customers tackle those <clears throat> tackle those attacks uh, without them having to invest in um, manpower, resources, hours um, to, to beef up their security solutions. Okay. Um, it sounds almost like Google Shield was inspired from, from what you guys offer. Is that, uh, is that fair? Are the two pretty comparable there? In terms of uh, like what someone is trying to do, yes. Like, they're also trying to provide a solution um, in the cloud. However, the Akamai security suite is a, is a much, much more uh, sophisticated and advanced security solution. Um, and we see a lot more traffic and with, with security, you have to see these attacks in order to come up with solutions to these attacks. And we see you know 30% of web traffic in, at any given point. And what we have done is we have converted all of that into uh, into security intelligence, and that's why 
when we look at any of the independent researches like through Gartner or Forrester, uh, the Akamai security solutions are the are the leading solutions is because they not only provide these solutions, but they are also highly accurate um, and have a, have a much more mature sort of data set. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, something you used to hear a lot about was denial of service attacks, um, especially against the larger retailers out there. And maybe 10 years ago, a lot of them got hit, but you don't really hear of that anymore. And is that just because, and you know, you're used by most of the large e-commerce in the U.S. Is that just because you guys scrub that all out at the edge and that you've improved your technology or have the, you know, the business models changed? I mean, how is that possible that we don't hear about it anymore? It's amazing, but how? <laughs> it is, right? Um, it is amazing. Well, 65% of the 10,000 plus yearly distributed denial of service attacks are actually mitigated by the Prolexit platform by the Akamai Prolexit platform. And so we have over 18 global scrubbing centers all around the world that can actually mitigate 7.8 terabits per second of tra- capacity of traffic. So you probably don't hear about it um, because a lot of those attacks are being mitigated before they ever get to the origin to, to bring down the site. Um, and the other reason is that um, the technology again is is, is great. And especially during the holidays, you know, as we approach the holidays this year, it's so important to make sure that you do have a technology like Prolexic or at least a plan for when the disaster strikes, right? Just because we don't hear about those attacks doesn't mean that they don't happen anymore. Um, they actually more attacks are happening. It's just they're being mitigated. People are being smarter about protecting their sites. And so it's important not to, I guess, relax and not put any protection in place, um, given the, you know, how much money we make during the holidays in the yeah. commerce world. Well, I think what's cool is you guys, um, especially through Prolexic, um, you're able to monitor the traffic flowing through the internet and you can block it at the source as well as the destination. So you have, you can block it at both ends of the attack, which is pretty cool. Yeah. The largest attack and they're getting bigger, you know, it's not just the number of attacks, but the scale of the attacks is actually increasing. And on February 28th, uh, last year, Akamai experienced a, a 1.3 terabits per second, uh, DDoS attack, uh, was able to, <laughs> wow. yeah driven by the map, you know, the map cached reflection. And so we were able to mitigate that. And so as you look at the uh, look at the holidays and protecting yourself during the holidays, don't, you know, rest on your laurels, make sure you have a plan in place. And um, attacks are not going away. They're just getting larger in scale. The good thing is we're keeping up with the attackers and are able to mitigate those at the edge. Yeah. Okay. Um, another question I have is if you look at the internet today, if you look at the web, um, web pages are a lot bigger, but they're also packed with all these cookies and tracking scripts. And I mean, there can be 30 or more of these, right? That's very common. Um, I, which is from a user standpoint, it's getting pretty annoying. I have to be honest. Um, how do you accelerate all of that? So it doesn't slow down the, the page loading time. And do you offer any ways of managing all of that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And, and when does it stop? You know, I mean, it, it can't just keep going on forever. <laughs> We've been looking for the same answer. Like, when does it stop? Um, so the, the challenge over here is that, you know, third parties are, 
uh, usually added on or piled on to the site to like, track cer certain information, which is usually sort of um, beneficial for the business or the business needs that information. But what ends up happening is that people forget to remove them once they're done with that exercise or if they switch to a different provider later on. Uh, there's no there's no cleanup effort usually when it comes to third parties. And uh, that's what causes a lot of problems and issues because you know these third parties, while they're providing that information, uh, it's not a guarantee on how well are they suited from a security as well as performance perspective. So are the third parties themselves doing any kind of, um, you know, how serious are they about performance and how serious are they about security? So what ends up happening is it does start impacting performance for our customers as well as causing security issues for our customers. So what we have done is we have taken steps in both directions to help our customers manage these third parties, particularly JavaScripts, uh, because that's the biggest culprit um, and help them from a performance and security perspective. So for example, um, we, we are able to look at what JavaScripts are flowing through the HTML. So regardless of whether or not you're directly delivering them through Akamai or not, um, if you're Base page is essentially being delivered through us. We look at what JavaScripts are associated with your traffic, and then we'll provide an insight around how those JavaScripts are doing, whether they're loading quickly enough or are they pretty slow. And then we also give you the ability to um, look at those uh, JavaScripts and how they're performing, and then take action as to whether or not you want to defer the load of these JavaScripts so that they load after everything has loaded already. So that they're not blocking, particularly the ones that, that are blocking JavaScript, they're not blocking the load of the page. Um, so we do that through uh, what we call script manager. Um, we also have the ability to just uh, ask script manager to take action once, the, uh, once we identify something that is blocking the page for way too long, even though uh, a predefined action hasn't been uh, defined. We, were, we, we are still able to do it on the fly. So that's uh, something that we do from a performance perspective. We're also uh, coming up with uh, something around the, around the security for third-party JavaScripts or even first-party JavaScripts, where we look at what kind of JavaScripts are, uh, again, associated with the, with the customer's homepage or any page for that matter, and see uh, are these known? Uh, are there any known vulnerabilities for these JavaScripts out there? And then uh, take actions accordingly. So providing pro protection against um, against JavaScripts. There are other simple things that we do. For example, we can we can pre-connect to third parties as well. So even though the traffic is not directly de being delivered through us, um, we would at least do the DNS resolution and TLS handshake uh, ahead of time using pre-connects. Okay, very cool. Um, and I want to spend a minute about edge side includes. Um, that was always something I like to use, but that was that was like fifteen years ago. Right, <laughs> it was a really long time ago. Um, are you guys still doing that? Like, I know you guys pioneered that, but maybe you could spend a minute and explain what ESIs are and uh, what the current status is of them. Absolutely. So a lot of our customers do still use it. Um, and ESI is essentially just dynamic content assembly, 
right? And it offers a lot of advantages, um, for example, for personalization. And um, page fragmentation um, allows us to essentially stitch the page, kind of break it apart, and then stitch it together at the edge. So, for example, as websites become a lot more personalized and the content is more dynamic, you can take pieces of that site and, for example, the static part can be cached much longer than the site that you, you know, that ha might have your name in it, uh, which we consider the dynamic uh, side of the page. So allowing you to still offer better performance across the board for that page experience. So it allows essentially for us to, um, let's talk about the product detail page. You know, when you go and you take a look at the product, there could be things like product description, which doesn't really change day to day. It's pretty static in terms of um, what content it has. But then there are things like prices or availability that actually change on an ongoing basis. So by using the ASI technology, we're still able to improve the performance of the page um, by essentially storing the description for much and caching it for much longer periods of time and then dynamically generating and stitching the page with the offers and the prices and the availability information, um, is providing an overall uh, better experience for the customer. Okay, <clears throat> very cool. Um, next, I want to talk about um, commerce a little bit more specifically. Uh, although I guess all this applies to commerce, but um, you know, we we really see that commerce is shift shifting from these big monolithic legacy platforms to small microservices fronted by APIs. Um, and we've also gone headless as an industry, so the front end is decoupled from the back end. Um, the front end typically being some JavaScript based front end. Um, but it's all API calls from the front end to the back end, or even GraphQL in, in, in some cases. Um, what are some of the implications of that from a network standpoint, and how do you guys solve that? From a network standpoint, um, can, you, can you clarify that, Ask? Yeah, so you know, if you're making to render any page, you have to make calls from the front end, which is decoupled from your back end. Mm -hmm. And like we have a lot of customers who will run their front ends in AWS and their back ends on us in GCP, mm -hmm. for example. Um, and you'll see a lot of on-prem running the legacy commerce platform, but then the front end will be deployed to GCP, right? So you've got your front end decoupled from your back end, and every time you want to render something, you have to make a request. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. So, uh, th it is it is a trend. So that you're right. Like there is a, a big push to move everything to microservices, and the reason is because uh, APIs are lightweight, right? So in order to make an API call, uh, the response is pretty small. So you make incremental API calls instead of making one big call that you know delivers you HTML, CSS, JavaScript, etc. Uh, so you do that once, and then everything that changes as the user uh, progresses on the site using API calls. And that way, the idea is to make it faster. Though the problem is, how do you, uh, the, the problem is that there is an issue of scalability as well as an issue of management. So these uh, APIs can grow pretty quickly uh, because every team is now writing their own APIs. Um, and so how do you manage all of this and how do you provide, uh, how do you make it secure as well? So, uh, that's where Akamai comes into picture where we provide, uh, irrespective of the origin. So in your example, you provided like this backend is AWS 
and then the front end is let's say GCP. Um, so regardless of the origin, um, Akamai can be put in front, and it can uh, <clears throat> it can it can support these API calls. It can even cache them. It can it can accelerate them. Uh, but more importantly, we can also manage uh, these APIs using Akamai's API gateway. So that includes uh, just basically importing your APIs into a common central location and then uh, adding rules around caching, security, so we can look at not only the request that is coming in, but we can also look at the JSON or uh, XML payload and provide protection against application-based attacks uh, for APIs. We can also do things like throttling and uh, rate controlling these uh, API calls. So there's a lot that we can do with APIs. What is also cool is that um, we've also figured out a way to cache GraphQL requests, and that's kind of unique to, to the Akamai platform. So there's a lot that we can do with, with APIs and how we can manage and secure them. All right, next question. Um, for the non-US listeners, what is Black Friday and Cyber Monday? Um, it seems that these, uh, these originated in the US because of Thanksgiving, um, but now it seems that it, these things have been exported culturally elsewhere. Um, and also, what types of spikes do you see in traffic from the US versus elsewhere? So Black Friday is the Friday after Thanksgiving holiday. So this year it actually falls on November 28th. And the Cyber Monday is the Monday after that Friday, so Thursday. So essentially it falls on um, December 2nd this year. And those are major shopping days, not just for the United States, but also in other kind of English speaking countries like Australia, Great Britain, and Canada are also seeing spikes during that time. They represent as much as 30% of all the revenue a retailer might make that year. Um, and it continues to grow. One of the trends that we actually are seeing um, in the last few years is that more and more of the traffic is moving to mobile devices. So people are shopping more online during that time. So you can shop anywhere you are um, from your device. And the other trend we're seeing is actually that we're that the whole month of November and, and the parts first two weeks of December are really uh, peak periods as well. So while those two days are much uh, larger in scope and are, should be still paid attention to, the promotions that retailers run actually start mar much earlier in the month. Okay. Um, and given the rapid spikes in traffic, what do you do internally to prevent outages? Um, I know a lot of retailers, for example, do code freezes. Um, they'll do extra stress testing. They'll do extra security testing. Um, what do you guys do to make sure that you don't have any issues? So absolutely. So we start our essentially disaster recovery planning and planning for the holidays, usually in the summertime. That's when I see a lot of, you know, a lot of retailers really start their planning. And what that means is you have to start kind of running load testing, usually 150% and upwards of your peak traffic to make sure that your systems are prepared to handle that additional load. You also have to look at security. So are you uh, protecting yourself against the DDoS attacks that we described? Are you also looking at uh, any additional rules that you have to put in place as part of your 
firewall configuration, and most importantly, just having a communication plan in place. So as you are working with um, different customers, make sure that your maintenance pages are up to date, that you have clear communication, that if something does happen, that your customer doesn't just end up seeing like a 404 error screen. Um, and most important, I think, is to have a backup plan. And so the backup plan would be essentially having a way for you to prioritize the traffic from the customers that are shopping and have shopping carts in progress versus those that might be just browsing on your site. And we have a product called Visitor Prioritization. And essentially that's what it does is it determines that if, if there is an outage or your systems are you know, struggling with the amount of traffic you're receiving, you can actually allow the customers that have something in their shopping cart to continue to shop and complete their transactions. And those that might be browsing can be presented with a waiting room experience. It could be a game, a promotion, or something else that's a little more interactive. And again, it's all about providing the right kind of experience for your customers um, during this peak time and essentially ensuring that you collect as much of that revenue, holiday revenue as you can. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And what type of monitoring do you recommend that customers employ? So we have something, you know, for real user monitoring, we call a product called Impulse. And essentially that product allows you to see how your actual customers, what experience they're having on, on the site. Um, so monitoring that. And then the other thing I think people sometimes miss out is they try to improve performance across their entire site. But what needs to happen is using real user monitoring, you need to understand your customer workflow and to ensure that you're really focusing on the pages where the customer will be spending most of their time. So for example, we know that most customers search for their products. So you want to make sure that your search is optimized as much as possible. And one of the things that we do is um, we you can kind of pre-build those lists, those search uh, result lists for the top products that you know your customers will be searching for. So that list doesn't have to be dynamically generated and can be displayed as quickly as possible to allow your customer to find the product they're looking for in the quickest uh, manner. So spending your time on search, um, homepage, you know, and of course are some of the things and that are really, really critical. Okay. And uh, just to add to that, you know, when we talk to our customers around holiday, we like to take an end-to-end -end approach. So all the way from the browser to uh, to the origin. So Ampulse, for example, provides a lot of metrics around the front end as well as the middle mile. So what is happening at the browser as well as, let's say, what's happening at the arc mile layer. Um, it provides mostly metrics around performance. Um, as well as any any metrics around the business like conversion rates, et cetera. Uh, so it's important to get that set up, but also making sure that you are getting real-time reporting about your origin. So we do talk to our customers and make sure that they have that set up uh, using whatever tools necessary. Uh, we also have a reporting set up around security. So you have the ability to set up alerts and reports for any security-related events. Uh, and these uh, alerts and, and reports can be set up at the Akamai layer, um, and these are real-time reports as well. So it's important to get those established as well, um, and we can provide alerts around, let's say, any incident that happens around application security or uh, bot management, etc. We can also provide 
uh, log lines uh, in an aggregated form or just raw log lines to their origin and they can be consumed at uh, you know whatever or origin log aggregation tool that they might be using for example Splunk. so there are a couple of options over there to help uh, customers get a understanding uh, end to end all the way from the browser level to what's happening at the origin mm-hmm. okay and why is it just generally stepping back a little bit uh, why is it that you don't hear of black friday cyber monday outages anymore i mean you used to hear about them all the time and the number of people shopping online i i would argue a lot of the whole black friday phenomenon has moved online so we have more traffic a lot more traffic um yet we have fewer outages and is that just a function of us as an industry getting our act together and we all know how to do black friday now after having done it for 15 years or i think yeah i i think absolutely right um it's you know customers used to kind of maybe not spend as much time preparing and now we see people start preparing much much earlier in the season so summertime is really when preparations begin and there's a lot more load tests are being done but also i think the technology right overall has improved so in terms of how much throughput we can handle and how you know a lot of um, commerce sites are on hybrid origins right where they're using they might be using cloud and then there could be accelerating on top of that with akamai being closer to the edge so it's it's the technology i think and just preparation um, are what allowing the holidays to be much more impactful every year. Yeah. Do you have any final recommendations on preparing for Black Friday, Cyber Monday? I mean, given how important it is, given how much revenue is made over this this period of time, I mean, obviously it's very important. Uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, uh, how people can avoid getting fired? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think one of the uh, best recommendations that we have is to start early and to partner with all your all your partners, all your vendors early on. Uh, Akamai loves to partner with customers starting in in the summer and making sure that we are preparing for the biggest event for our customers. So uh, whether it be around security readiness or uh, performance readiness or even things like load testing as well as monitoring any any solutions. Um, we, we love to partner with our customers and make sure that we are uh, ahead in the game. Uh, typical exercises include from a security perspective, like identifying which endpoints are out there and what all we need to protect. Uh, and from a performance perspective, coming up with KPIs, coming up with metrics that we want to focus on and see uh, which pages, for example, impact those KPIs the most from a conversion perspective. Uh, and then focusing on those and, and helping our customers um, accelerate that experience. So uh, yeah, the biggest the biggest thing that we can do is uh, start early on and, and, and identify what we want to achieve. Okay. No, I think that's great advice. Vicky, any final thoughts? I have, absolutely. I mean, I think to be successful during the holiday season, it takes planning, right? And what we're seeing more and more is to make sure that you plan for all the conditions that could possibly happen. It doesn't mean that you'll ex- you know, essentially execute those plans, but the more prepared you are, the better. So having a disaster recovery plan in place, having a communication plan, security, 
uh, plan in place around what your team will do if an attack happens. So who will be called? How will they communicate? What is the messaging that you will uh, provide your customers? Um, all those things might seem extreme in many ways, but they will actually allow you to have a peace of mind and not, you know, not to have anyone fired, right? And most importantly, don't forget about those systems that we don't think about a lot when we think about the holidays, like the government tax system, right? We, we, nobody likes taxes, but it's something that we have to impose on products when we sell them. So we need to make sure that we're also load testing with that system in mind and many others that might be touching our e-commerce site, but are not a direct part of it. Um, so make sure that you have a plan all around and um, you'll, you'll have a great holiday. Okay. Very good. Great final thoughts there. So thank you again both for sharing your thoughts. Uh, it's uh, it's really great to hear about this from the folks who are you know actually out there keeping everything up and running over Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And uh, I think we all appreciate the the behind the scenes work you guys do to keep us up and safe and secure. Thank you so much, so, Kelly. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.